1: You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. Welcome into Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Zach Barry, at Zach underscore Barry. Both right for the Oldman Spirit, OldmanSpirit.com, and food on three. Hey, buddy, New Year's coming. What's up?
2: The off-season is here, my friend. But it is not really actually the off-season because literally we can say recruiting never stops now because it really doesn't. Before, it was just kind of like a cute saying, but uh, now it never does. So, But we're here. We're good. We're getting we're good. ready for... A, Get ready for New Year's Eve. You big New Year's Eve guy. You gonna gonna go out and and you know do the countdown and everything. Nah, we're a we're a tux.
1: Nah, I've never maybe been a New either. Year's Eve guy. Always been no. a huge Christmas guy. But New Year's Eve. Yeah, well, yeah. I don't know if
2: it's maybe living in New York ruined it for me because everybody there does like well not everybody but the sociopaths that go down there to Times Square for nine hours to watch the ball drop that is insane
1: like I've read stories about people who go to Times Square and carry like a colostomy bag
2: I was gonna say uh, people wear adult diapers because you just you can't go anywhere yeah no that's so which why which why just we would just have house parties we would just stay inside
1: I think the only time I, I think the only time I really celebrated New Year's Eve was in college. Uh, yeah, I used to go to another bar.
2: I, yeah. I'm trying to think of the last time I did. I mean, we, like I said, we would do like apartments, like apartment parties in New York, where we would just have wall to wall people. Everybody bring like some kind of drink. Um, and then, yeah, just do that. But outside of that, I'm trying to think of like the last time I did like a full on new year's. Like I never did like the Peabody New Year's Eve party in Memphis was always a big deal. I never did that because it was uh, so expensive, and I feel like you're getting ripped off. Um, you're just paying a
1: lot to play dress up, is all I'm saying. Yeah, it, it's just I don't know. I pl- I blow off some fireworks. It's new Year's, who cares? I live in the country, and the girls like fireworks. But other than that, no, no. Yeah, how will Ole Miss football be ringing in the new year with more recruits out of the portal? You like that? Was that a good one? Yeah, that was that was a pretty flimsy transition.
2: <laughs> no, I mean, I think you're right. I think, um, I think that's where this is headed. I, I think we've been waiting for, I guess, a week now, uh, for another one to to drop, uh, another commitment to be added to the class, um, and then yeah, they're just gonna continue to plug away. Um, if you check out omspirit.com, part of on three, uh, we've got the hot list. We're updating that daily. Uh, Some new names entered the portal on Thursday, as we were recording this on a Friday. Um, A couple guys, a couple defensive linemen um, that uh, I think Ole Miss will be interested in, and that's a that's a we can segue right there because you posed the question to me. So let's go ahead and dive in. Do you think any anything changed in terms of? you know, what their top needs are after the performance against Texas Tech? Or is that just a one-off exhibition game? It doesn't matter. Everything's status quo. They still need what they
1: need. Well, average or bad pass blocking was a problem all year. Mm -hmm. If anything's changed, I think prioritizing an offensive lineman, I don't really think anything has changed, to be honest with you. Because when you watch that game, a lot of it was lack of separation from the wide receivers, which we knew was a problem all year. And they've addressed that with Chris Marshall. Hopefully, addressed Outs, that with Chris Marshall. outside
2: of Malik Heath. Yeah, Malik had that dude. Him. He he absolutely shredded Texas Tech's cornerbacks. Yeah. They had no prayer. I mean, the dude tried to hold him, and he just mossed him.
1: Yeah, and the hope is that Chris Marshall is that for two years. Yeah, I'll say this: the
2: st- the statistics show that it was a poor pass blocking offensive line, but the but I. I feel like halfway through the year, the the sack numbers weren't that weren't reflective of that. I think that that's just a just one hundred percent indicative of Jackson Dart and his maturation as a quarterback and being able to move around. He avoided a ton of sacks um, because the pass blocking was was average to bad all year, and um, he was able to use his legs to avoid them. But yeah, I mean that's that's a difference maker there with his mobility. If he's a statue back there, it's probably a much, much worse offense overall and statistic.
1: There's no quick fix in the portal for that situation, I think, for that weakness. Um, No, John John Garrison's going
2: to have to get in that room and and get to work. Yeah, like where you're going to have to try to get an impact guy.
1: Where you would hope to have the most improvement, where you're going to have to really work to make sure that this team improves is with your two redshirt freshman tackles. Just bringing them, yeah. Regularly developing them because there's not a guy you can go get out of the portal right now that could supplant either of them, and no. you know magically solve your issues. No, you just need those two guys to continue to improve. I, I'm I'm interested to see what
2: what what that room looks like next summer, going into fall camp. Um, John Garrison has a phenomenal track record. As an offensive line coach, and he's coached some really good centers. He was a center himself. I think that was an issue all year for Ole Miss. They really didn't have a true center. They just I had to slide. Caleb
1: Warren just had some early struggles and became really, really good. He was always a good blocker. We're just talking about, yeah, Smith. yeah. You yeah, didn't it, notice it, Caleb Warren toward the end of the year. That's that's good. That's what you want,
2: right? I was going to say, uh, not knowing like. It, if people don't know who the center's name, like what the center's name is, that's a good thing.
1: Yeah, I had one guy um, on Twitter say, "Hey, we need a center from the portal," and then mentioned Caleb Warren's come. Oh, I didn't realize Caleb was coming back. Oh, never mind then. It, that's good. That's what you want. Yeah. Well, I, I think he
2: is a natural guard. Now, I, all credit to him, he he transitioned nicely and and really started to to play much better after the early struggles with the snaps, but. I think Garrison's impact because he coached. Uh, his name escapes me. Um, he had a All ACC center at NC State. Um, so I wonder if you know maybe Preston Cushman gets in there, have a true center, and then you can move Caleb Warren back. Well, to they're guard. never
1: going to have a true center though. They're never going to. be you just recruit the best players coming out of high school. There's not sure. Like there's I mean, not really Eli like offensive was, centers anymore. Yeah, yeah, Eli Johnson was the last time they signed just a center out of high school. The, the future, I think,
2: is Bryson Sanders, who hmm. has he's told me that 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 there were, you know, he, he could play everywhere. He played all five positions throughout his high school career and he played tackle um his senior year. But I think he's versatile enough. But I think he would be an interesting guy to put at center because of the footwork, because he's played tackle, and then he's humongous. Um, so he's got the, you know. The girth to be on the interior in the SEC, um, so I think that, yeah, I, I, I mean he's he's already built. I mean he's got to get in there and you know, get tuned up a bit with uh with Coach Savage, but I mean he's built like a power five prospect already. Um, I think he just gives you a ton of versatility and athleticism that, in a hurry up offense, and when you're passing the ball a lot and you're you know you need somebody that can make all the calls, all the protections can, you know, when you make a check at the line, he can audible, he can relay that to everybody. Um, he's a pretty cerebral guy. He's a son of a son of a football coach. He, he knows the ins and outs and um they ran a pretty um, complex scheme at Baylor. Um, The head coach is a former uh, power five staffer um, coach at South Carolina. So it wasn't just a, you know, your run-of-the-mill average high school offense, I mean, it was a very thorough, you know, protection plans and things like that. So um I think, I mean, not immediately, obviously, but I think down the road, I think mean, he could potentially be your quote-unquote true center.
1: Maybe. I think he'll start at guard. And he's also the only four-star or better offensive lineman signed under Lane Kiffin in his four recruiting classes. That's wild to me. If you wonder why, Offensive line has been billed to be the strength, but it's had its moments where you're like, oh, that doesn't look like what it's supposed to. I think that plays into it. Yeah. And I think it kind of speaks to general roster health to begin with right now. Um, I think counting commitments and portal additions, Ole Miss roster-wide will have just 23 four- or five-star prospects, former four- or four, five-star prospects, on their roster currently for next year. You want that number to be in the 30s or 40s, if Ole Miss is yeah, and and playing and swimming in the waters that Lane Kiffin claims it is now, and his uh, year-to-year salary indicates that Ole Miss is swimming in now, you need that to be in the 30s or 40s. And I, I think overall roster health is what was most glaring from the from the Texas Bowl. If we learned anything, if anything has changed, it's not necessarily one position group. It's the the glaring problem with overall roster health, especially as guys leave like Luke Altmaier who played in the bowl, which Jackson came out. That was a good example of what we've been talking about for weeks, if not months, you need somebody mm-hmm. to be able to step in, not necessarily. We well, want him to push Jackson Dart, not necessarily go for his job because it's his job, but be good enough to make him better and to step in and adequately perform should he get hurt. And Luke Altmaier is now gone. He's committed to Illinois. I love that fit for him, by the way, under Brett Bielema. Uh, Run first offense. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a great, great fit for him. So, Luke Altmeyer's off the board to Illinois, but he practiced with Ole Miss for the Texas Bowl. He played in the game. Uh, Miles Battles, the same thing. I think Lane Kiffin spoke about it after the game. Lane's been talking to coaches and schools that are interested in Miles Battle, and he's out there making plays. In a game that was lost, he's still hustling down the field and forcing a fumble. And say what you want to about Miles Battle or – uh, maybe you don't think his loss is all that important or a big deal. Roster health. It is when you consider roster health. Because now you have DeAndre Prince, Davis, and and who? Uh, Markevious Bryant flashed a little bit, but he still hasn't taken that step as a former four-star. Kendrick Breedlove to t- took his name out of the portal and staying at Ole Miss, but he was injured most of last year after playing 10 it's games. It's a good move. A it's a good move for him. It really is. It's yeah, the, a real opportunity the, here.
2: Yeah, and the injury – yeah, he he was going to play a lot this year. Oh yeah, I mean, he was the he was
1: the number four corner, yeah. maybe number three. I mean, it was him and Marquise Bryan. I think he was backing up was uh, Breedlove, DeAndre Prince. So there's a clearer path here for high level playing time and opportunity than he would get elsewhere. It's a smart move for him, especially I, with Miles Battle in the portal.
2: Yeah, and I think I mean he was one of the first guys that that Kiffin reached out to when he got the job, and they they recruit Nashville a lot. Um and he played for the uh, National Playmakers Academy, the seven-on-seven group that's in Nashville. And n- not only just in terms of it's a good move for Kendrick Blue Love to stay and to continue to, because I think he'll play next year. He's, you know, recovered from the injury; he'll be fine. But just to-
1: keeping those keeping those inroads in Nashville, he has to play, and he's got real talent too. I mean, he had a really good preseason. It's just injury derailed him. But this is a position that Lane Kiffin's never really been in before. He's never stayed Mm -hmm. anywhere longer than three years. This is the first time anywhere. And he has to really build something. And Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin are kind of walking arm-in-arm here into uncharted territory. Yeah. Because if you look at, like, what happened last year in the portal, Ole Miss did really good work. Replaced Matt Corral with Jackson Dart, Jerry on Ely and Snoop Connor with Zach Evans and Quinshawn, Chance Campbell with Troy Brown, Mark Robinson with Kari Coleman, Jake Springer with Iceham Young, Sam Williams with Jared Ivey. Those are all good players, but here's the problem. Only in one of those areas can you really argue, and that's running back, Ole Miss improved over who those players replaced. And that's more of the culprit of why they finished the way they did. Um, I think eight wins – like how they got to eight wins is is the most concerning thing, that they finished one and five after starting seven and oh. That's the worst-case scenario um, because they then proved that they were all pretender status because they mm-hmm. were not playing good football for well over a month. So now with the portal, it's about reinforcing your roster and finding depth pieces that, that will come in and compete to start, but really just add value, overall value to the roster, strengthen the roster, you know, mm-hmm. in total more than anything else. And that that because they just don't have that depth. And a lot of that has to do with they don't play many players. It's that pro mindset thing. Well, here are 30 guys. It's treated more like a 53 man than an 85 man. I think that approach that strategy has to change as well but that's asking for philosophical changes that are more unlikely to happen than just getting more good players if anything i think the texas bowl told us ole miss needs more than just the top end signees from the from the portal chris marshall and trey harris are unbelievably good additions great Mm addition but -hmm. it just can't stop there if you could get two more wide receivers to come in and compete even more if you could get offensive linemen there's not a position necessarily that is now glaringly, obviously needing to be addressed after the Texas bowl. If anything needs to be glaringly, obviously addressed after the Texas bowl, it's overall roster health. It's not in good shape.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think they just need to play more players and just get guys more reps because let them, let them sink or swim. Well, yeah, I mean, I think you, you, you do a lot of work throughout the year, you know, in practice and that's when the battles are, you know, one, so to speak, when you're trying to, you know, build your two deep, you know, your depth chart and trying to figure out, okay, who's, who goes where. But I mean, I think at some point you got to start putting dudes in game situations and Hey, let's see what you got against, you know, somebody that's not on the same team. And I think that's just when you have these guys get banged up in games or injuries, and then you're thrusting someone out there in October that has four snaps under their belt. Come on, like an SEC play, unless they're just an absolute stud, what do you think is going to happen?
1: The Ole Miss Athletics Foundation has launched Forever Ole Miss, a new planned giving society. To recognize supporters who have included Ole Miss Athletics in their estate planning, one of the main benefits of Forever Ole Miss is the ability to designate priority points to loved ones upon the realization of a planned gift. For more information on Forever Ole Miss, please visit www.givetoathletics.com slash forever old Miss. That's www.givetoathletics.com slash forever old Miss. The car buying process can be a lot. I know, I've been there. You just want to get in and out with a new car and the best deal. Simple. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford keeps it simple. They're going to take care of you, get you in and out with your new vehicle with a great deal. Their inventory right now is priced to sell, and what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford from any and all competitors is they aim to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. That's 662-234-8000. Stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue in Oxford. That's Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Alan Samuels. Let's be friends. It's concert season, and concert season is all about the boots. Already, Oxford and Ole Miss have seen Morgan Wallen light it up at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. Ole Miss football star and Talk of Champions podcaster Jared Ivey bemoaned how his boots were lacking. He should have gone with Tecovis, the only stop for the Ole Miss fan and the best in Western style. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings for the spring and summer, including timeless, always-on-trend styles in men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. Stop by your local Tecovis store and have a complimentary drink or two on the house while you shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service, and many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The sun's a-shining in Oxford, Mississippi. Cookouts in the Grove, beer showers. It's just the very best time for an old Miss Rebel to get out and get going. Carry front door peace of mind with you everywhere you go with UFI Video Lock. Never has home security been so easy. Eufy Video Lock, an all-in-one security device for your front door, allows you to keep an eye on everything back home. And it's so easy. Installation requires only a screwdriver, so ditch those house keys forever and give Eufy Video Lock a try today. There's no monthly fee, and Eufy Video Lock has customer support on standby 247 to help you with any and all home security needs. Go ahead, have your home fun in the sun with the assurance your home is in good hands with Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock's built-in camera can tell you who's at your front door from the comfort of your poolside chair. So search Eufy Video Lock today. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That's Eufy Video Lock, a proud sponsor of this, the Talk of Champions Podcast Network.
0: Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app.
1: What about saving for your kid's college? In these crazy economic times, working with a professional is of the utmost importance. And that's where my friend Thomas Chandler comes in. Thomas is a financial planner with Capital Financial Group, and he wants to help you make the right decisions for your financial future. So give him a call today at 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. And tell him that Ben sent you for a no-cost consultation and get started toward financial independence today with Thomas Chandler of Capital Financial Group. You can't get credit for Dayton Wade, who was awesome, and also not get criticism or blame for Braylon Brown, a former four-star, ending up in the portal. And you'll say as a fan, well, wait a second, that's on the player. Yes, it is, but it's it's an equal partnership. If they're only playing 30 players, then where can – Braylon Brown really even try to show you what he has. J.J. Henry, same thing. They kind of incorporated J.J. Henry, saw him as a guy that could help them, and yet they still couldn't find enough creative ways to get him the ball, and they had a need at wide receiver. So playing more guys, and, I, and I'm curious because it really brings up an, an interesting question. Is Ole Miss's overall roster health more about a trust issue with Lane Kiffin and just how he approaches playing time and game-to-game? And, um, game planning and stuff like that. I feel like it's more of a trust issue than anything else. And it's hard to do because back for three years, I think anyone with a pulse at this point can fairly acknowledge that Lane Kiffin's goal was, was to bring guys in and win as quickly as possible as if to leave. Well, now he's here. This is year four. He's in uncharted territory. He's never stayed anywhere longer than three years. So that roster health, and playing more players, it kind of has to happen. He has to fix it because he's created his own problem, right? You you were trying to get out for so long, and now you're here. Well, here are the, the consequences for for those actions, right? Your overall mm-hmm. roster health isn't bad. It isn't, like, dreadful. 2020 or 2010, 2011, when, when was that year that Charles Sawyer? God bless him, I love Charles Sawyer to death. he was their best player on the roster. And that's no disrespect to him, good player, but – for him to be the what? best player on the roster is not good. It is not like that at all. I'm not saying that. That's when Ole Miss was just in the absolute dumpster as far as talent and overall yeah. roster construction. Well, Ole Miss I is fine. It's just if you're trying to win at the level like Kiffin is saying Ole Miss is supposed to be winning at now, and eight yeah. wins isn't good enough, then this roster just isn't what it needs to be at. And that's unfortunate because now the expectations have completely changed. All that goodwill, all that full autonomy and just – it's Lane Kiffin. He can do whatever he wants. He saved Ole Miss football. A lot of that goodwill is gone. So the benefit of the doubt that he otherwise would have gotten has been erased and a lot of it self-inflicted.
2: I mean, I think there's probably – you could say that – I mean, there's a a lot of self-reflection that needs to be done because and, – and, and this is kind of shifting topics here, but I don't know – I don't think anyone truly knows that's not on that staff and not in that and not in that building. But whoever is calling the plays on offense, I mean, it's time for a true look in the mirror moment where it's like, okay, we we've got to shift what we're doing because I mean, I think without Quinshawn Judkins, just being absolutely special, and having a guy like Jackson Dart come in and and really thrive, and kind of hit a second wind and get—he really got better as the year went on. I don't care what anybody says.
1: That's what's crazy is like he got better as Ole Miss collectively got worse.
2: Yeah. Um. I, I just, man,
1: I the the whole career
2: of Lane Kiffin was was always about the the creativity, the the uniqueness, the um, efficiency of just the offensive mind and how he's just, you know, head and shoulders above, you know, chess versus checkers, all that. The play calling was just absolutely vanilla.
1: It was disjointed at best
2: all year. And I know there's some personnel issues. They didn't have a true tight end. They had no one really step up. Okay, that's all win. Yeah, no, yeah. And, And that's part of it, but I'm saying like, if that's what's holding you back from really – because look at what they did offensively in year one. It was a COVID year, whatever, but, I mean, that offense was just dynamic as hell. They were fun. They kept people, you know, on the edge of their seats. I mean, you had, you know, Matt Corral and Kenny Oboa and Elijah Moore, and I know that those guys don't – you know, they don't just come in every year, but, I mean, they had Nick Saban just pulling his hair out and yelling at Pete Golding. In Year one, well, and he's been
1: chasing that kind of impact and those kind of obvious figureheads at positions ever since. Omus Miss is not going to just replace Elijah Moore, never was going to. Don Terrio Drummond sure. is best, his best, uh, Elijah Moore imitation, uh, but he's a different wide receiver. And, and they mentioned throughout that entire year how clunky of a fit it was for Don Terry Drummond to be running out of the slot because it's just not what he fits. I mean, he's more of what Malik Heath is. Chris Marshall is more like that to imagine like Malik Heath playing almost exclusively in the slot this year, just because they didn't have anyone else. I mean, it's it's exactly what with Jonathan Mingo and Jordan Watkins playing tight end because Michael Trigg was suspended and being dumb.
2: Yeah. So they've got to figure out a way to, and yeah, you're right. I mean, that's on the staff. Like, okay, you can't have an Elijah Moore of a year. Like those guys are elite and don't come around very often, but you got to go find someone. I mean, maybe that changes with the NIL and, how they've got this huge commitment from the fan base and from the administration, whoever. They've got the Grove Collective churning and burning now. They've got the deal with Wheels Up and with Delta Airlines and all that. I mean, maybe that changes. But I just – I was really, really disappointed in the way the offense looked
1: towards the end of the year. I mean, it was just so – it was like they was were catering pre- on that line too all year and it just the bottom fell out.
2: Yeah, I mean it, it just got to where it was just so predictable and and it was you know square peg, round hole, just running it your was, head into a wall over and
1: over. I mean yeah. the it was the like amount the of Colorado times offenses where they would be so dynamic in between the twenties and it was just ground to a halt once they got to the red zone.
2: Yeah, and I think that you know. Trunk. A tight a true tight end helps you a lot there because yaboa was great i mean they used him a lot in the red zone i, I just think they got to figure it out i mean it got so predictable and just I the the amount of times they would go hurry up and short yardage was just made me want to claw my eyeballs out because who cares about going fast just get it right yeah and when you're not checking at the line and you're just running an inside zone into eight man front like I don't care how good Quinchon Judkins is. That's just a numbers game. Yeah.
1: Well, they didn't feel like they could really press uh, opposing defenses on the perimeter with their passing game, and that's a personnel issue that falls at the feet of Lane Kiffin and his staff. I would be surprised if there's not at least one major change um, staff-wise, both offensively and defensively for Ole Miss at this point.
2: Yeah. I mean, he, he alluded to as much in the yeah in the post-game presser. Um he We've also saying alluded, that
1: for weeks and now finally Lane confirms it and people are like oh okay well maybe they're telling the truth. Yes.
2: <laughs> well he also said that the, you know somebody came up to him after the game and said they were getting out of the portal. I don't know who that is yet. Breedlove. Um, He's talking about Breedlove. Gotta be. I thought he said after the game. Because Breedlove, I haven't listened to the actual audio or like watched the video. I just saw like a transcript of what he said. Um it the quote looked like he said it was on Wednesday night that somebody came up and said they were getting out. God so,
1: it Let's just play a little fun podcast speculation for 30 seconds. Miles Battle I mean, comes, to, comes to mind immediately. But, no, he's, he's he mentioned how he's talked to coaches and other schools. Yeah, I've
2: heard heard yeah. a lot of rumors about him
1: in Utah. Um,
2: yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe Braylon Brown. He got in the game and had a catch. I mean, maybe he's wanting to stick it out and, and stay and play. I, I don't know.
1: So well, I will you know, say if, like, it, it's appealing and it's tempting for almost every player who's not playing, the 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 amount that he thinks he should be playing. It's tempting to just go get in the portal because you think it's your second recruitment. You think that you're going to get in, and if you're a former mm-hmm. four star like Braylon Brown, get the, get the notoriety and the calls that you were getting. But unless you're one of those top end high end guys like a Jackson Dart who's just leaving for, because like Lincoln Riley's bringing his guy in or Michael Trigg, it's it's tough sledding out there. A lot of these guys are viewed as damaged goods once they get in. Luke Altmaier is playing at Illinois. Illinois is a, a very good program, but like, it was bad for a while, and Brett Bielema has made Illinois good again. I don't think Illinois is the team or a school that Luke Altmaier seriously considers coming out of high school. He was going to Ole Miss, Florida State, you name it. Pick a really you know, high-end school, whatever that school might be. Illinois is a really good spot for him. They're playing good football. Brett Bielema, I think, is a really good coach. Um, so it's a good fit for him, but it just shows that if you think you're going to get in and all of a sudden the Alabamas and Georgias and LSUs and Clemson are going to go, oh, you know what? Braylon Brown wasn't utilized. Let me go get him. No, you're you're talking about talking to schools that need you to step in and play, but they're not what you were considering back in high school. A lot of them, mm-hmm. like for a lot of these kids, that's what the experience is. It, the reality doesn't meet the dream of or, or the uh, what you think is the opportunity of the portal. Oh, God, if I just get in. If I just get into the portal, all will be better. And it's not necessarily true. Yeah, yeah. I,
2: you know, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what happens in 2023 because, like you said, he's never been somewhere for four years, and I do think he, whether he wants to admit it or not, I don't know if he has admitted it. I think it's, I think he's gotten to the point where, I think he, he, he's smart enough to know where the psyche of the fan base is right now. And how the the way the year ended is not acceptable. Yeah, I, so I think we saw, a
1: little, saw a little bit of a change with him and his approach to the fan base by saying it was unacceptable in his post game press conference. That's just not strong language that we're used to hearing from him in, in terms of being uh, self critical or critical of his roster like that. And I think that was yeah. that was throwing out a little bit of a line to um, to the fan base.
2: Yeah, so I, I mean, I'm I'm excited to see. What happens? I mean, I think, again, I mentioned the self-reflection and you're, they're going to kind of have to reevaluate how they do things and maybe, you know, how, how do they go about, you know, do they tweak the offense a little? I think the personnel will be a little bit different. Um, does Zach Evans stay? I think that changes a lot. Um, you know, what's – is Michael Trigg going to take the next step? I think Jackson Dart, Quinchon Judkins – Zach Evans, if he stays, those guys are going to absolutely take another step and really take their game to the next level. But yeah, Chris Marshall, Trey Harris, they got to come in and be dudes. Um, if somebody like Braylon Brown gets out of the portal, it's time. You got to be a guy. Um, so you know, you you've got Jordan Watkins, you've got Dayton Wade. They're known commodities. They made a lot of plays for you this year, but you got to you, you got to step it up. I mean. You you said it in your column, you know, the way that the, the language that he used all year, it's not acceptable anymore to just go eight and four. Whereas 15 years ago, man, people are dancing in the streets in Oxford when you go eight and four and you're, hey, we're going to the Music City Bowl, baby. Let's, let's gas up the car and get up to Nashville and have fun. No, like it's with the playoff expansion, with the amount of money he's getting paid, the amount of money that he has for a staff, and then now the Grove Collective and the, you know, landmark never before done deal with wheels up. It's time to to take the next step and to, you know, hey, you want to swim in the waters with with the Alabama and the LSUs and the Georgias. And, you know, it, it's time you're 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 getting paid to do that.
1: Yeah. And if that's the goal, as you stated, is the goal, then looking at from the, through that lens, the roster health is your problem because you are not comparable to those teams right now. If the expectation, if the directive is we should be considered in the same breath as those Alabamas and Georgias and LSUs, whoever it might be that you think are contenders going into next year, then your overall roster health is the biggest obvious need change from the Texas Bowl. It just showed you didn't have enough. And that's why when, you, when a guy like Caden Priestcorn from Memphis the transfer tight end gets in, immediately – I mean, I had multiple people some very well-connected in Ole Miss recruiting circles, text me his name. And he's an all-conference performer at Memphis. Entered the portal, had 48 catches, 602 yards, seven touchdowns last season. He kind of fits what you need. But Michael Trigg did play in the Texas Bowl, had two really bad mistakes. Got beat across his face on fourth and one was the reason why Quinshawn Jenkins got stuffed and gave the ball back in one of those many failed fourth-down attempts for Ole Miss in the game and then had a long gain or negated because he didn't line up right. That's stuff that is a direct result of him being suspended, not being part of the team, not practicing for a month. But the talent is there. You still need a really good number, two, a really good number, two, or a guy that could come in and complement and add to your passing game. It's like yeah. if Michael Trigg is 1A, 1B, then a Caden, Priest corner, whoever it might be, could be um, you know, 1A, 1B as well. So it doesn't yeah. hurt either that Caden Priest Corn's little brother is a 2024 top 60 recruit at tight end. Yeah, that's that's not a bad yeah, it's not a bad connection
2: thing. there. Yeah, yeah, I I mean also like they've been talking about how much they like Kyron Heath. Like hey, the you know you're no longer a puppy. Time to get out there and play. Yep, yeah. like ch- challenge Michael Trigg. I mean I think that's. I think that's more important than bringing in a quarterback to challenge Jackson dark. Cause I've, I've said this. I I think that that's just silly to just manifest some quarterback competition just for the sake of depth. I think that that's just borrowing trouble there. I mean, I, I, who Jackson dark probably would be fine with it and be a pro and just say, Hey, you know, I know what's, you know, we're doing what's best for the team, blah, blah, blah. But in the back of his mind, I mean, he's human. He's going to be like, Hey, you know, what the hell? I agree. Um, but um, I think Jason
1: you, I think you, a pro mindset. And a I know. Pro mindset and is nobody is irreplaceable. I agree with yeah. you. Though. I, I think it would be a silly thing to do. When I'm talking about bringing somebody into the room, I'm just talking about another Luke Altmaier. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. like Luke Altmaier. Credit to him, man. When Jackson Dart was signed, there was nobody that really thought that Luke Altmaier was going to get a fair shake, and he made it a real competition in the preseason. Good for him. Um, The end result was what we all thought it would be, Jackson Dart starting, and he's now transferring. But you still need another guy like that. That's what I'm saying. I'm not talking about Spencer Sanders. The Spencer Sanders stuff, though, if you're just going by a pro mindset, I understand it then. Because in a pro mindset in the NFL, no job is guaranteed. Derek Carr is not starting for the last two games. I mean, he's put in everything for the Raiders. And he had a bad year this year. But a lot of that has to do with terrible coaching he's been dealt. Because if you look at the numbers, he's actually a really darn good quarterback. He's always dealt with coaching changes and terrible coaching, all kinds of stuff. But he's not playing for the last two years because coaches and 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 front office, front office types in the NFL, they're looking out to save their own skin. It's kind of like Ross Bjork at Ole Miss. They insulate themselves and everybody else will get the blame first. I don't think Lane mm-hmm. Kiffin treats it that way, but at least with competition for every position – That's been kind of the approach. So in that way, okay, Spencer Sanders makes sense. I don't think it's going to happen for a number of reasons, um, not the least of which Jackson Dart is their starting quarterback. And he should be. He got better while the team got worse. That is not your issue. Your issue is behind Jackson Dart, behind Michael Trigg, behind your offensive line that struggled in pass blocking, behind your linebackers. Ashanti Seastrunk came in when Troy Brown went out with targeting. And led the team in tackles, but he didn't play much all year until he was forced to play. I'm not saying Ashante Seastrunk is the talent of Troy Brown or any number of high end linebackers that might play for Ole Miss in the future. However, he can help you. He did help mm-hmm. you. He stepped in in a pinch and got 11 tackles. I mean, it just it makes no sense to only play 30 kids and expect in the fourth quarter. Like you wonder why Ole Miss was bad in in second half of games or whatever it might be. I could argue fatigue is a big deal. And that's all self created. Oh, yeah, for sure. Stuff. Yeah, so it's self it's inflicted problems by Lane Kiffin and staff. Yeah. I, uh... Roster health, man. That That's the problem. That's what I noticed was most glaring in the Texas Bowl. They just don't have enough. And now it's year four, and the expectations are different. Even if you hadn't come out and said, it, you know, explicitly, like now, You're in year four. This is when coaches get judged or supposedly get judged. Yeah. That's
2: typically what I always said. The window was, was like three years when you get there, build it up. And then, you know, typically that year three or year four is when you
1: really cement your legacy at that school. Yeah. You find out what you're going to do at this school and it's a, it's a tough roster place to be in. So that's what I kind of learned from the Texas Bowl. That's, um, that's the kind yeah. of the whole point of talking to Zach today on well, this Friday, December 30th, 2022. So I take it from our earlier conversation that you are not going to be doing much for New Year's Eve.
2: No. Um probably just be sitting at the house. We're old. Man. We're old. Yeah. That's yeah. I'm not I'm not doing
1: anything. Nah. I think my kids want to fire off our fireworks since we live in the country. Okay, sure. Fire them off at yeah, like eight I mean... o'clock and go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Wake well, up watching football on January first. I don't know. He's Zach Barry at Zach underscore Barry. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben. This has been another edition of Talk of Champions Recruiting. If you haven't already, subscribed, rate, review Talk of Champions, and iTunes. And when you do, leave a five star review. I do not care what you say. You could hate me all you want, but if you leave a five star review, I will be forever grateful. Check us out at the Oldman
0: Spirit, OldmanSpirit.com and on 3. Thank you, my friend. See you, buddy. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app.